Okay, so uh, welcome to Industry Talks with Fortech. Today we have Chris Harris on the show. Uh, Chris, you want to start with the introduction? Tell us a bit about yourself and, and uh, your career. The, the topic today is tree planting. Cool. Yeah, my name is Chris Harris. I, uh, I'm the owner and general manager of Shakti Reforestation. And uh, I've been interested in tree planting since I was a little kid. I was really, really into nature. And uh, so as soon as I heard about tree planting, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And here I am. Great on. And yeah. uh, why did you choose a career in, in tree planting? You mentioned a little bit that you enjoyed kind of the outdoorsness of it and stuff. I, I guess what was what was some of the main like top three reasons why you decided to go into tree planting, or how did that sort of happen? It it happened when I was a kid. I I met a tree planter when I was like twelve, and she said I could go tree planting when I grew up and I would, I knew right away that that's what I was going to do. And, uh, but I was always really, really into nature and, uh, I just like to be outside. So it was just an obvious choice. And, um, yeah, so it's cool. I've got to do the thing I always knew I would do. So. And you, you started in traditional forestry planting, like cut blocks and stuff. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like a traditional tree planter. I worked at a bunch of the big companies and I worked at some of the small companies. I worked a little smoky. Um, and that was really cool. Like working with the smaller companies and I always kind of liked that, uh, atmosphere. And then, uh, yeah, one day I was talking to Chris Howard was a, a guy who ran elf. He was a really good contractor and we just had this really long conversation. And then the next day I like knew I was going to start my own company and, uh, yeah, that's how it started. And what year was that? That was 2006. So yeah, I planted for nine years and now I've run Shakti for about nine years, nine or 10 years. Yeah. There were no, like 12. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Years are flying. <laughs> Got off the story by, there. <laughs> years go by faster when, uh, when you're, when you're your having company, fun. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Awesome. And, uh, when did you transition from traditional forestry into more oil and gas planting and, and how did that transition sort of take place? Um, yeah, it, it was sort of like when you start out, you kind of get what you can. Like I started as a tree planter contractor. I, I didn't have any management experience. I hadn't foreman or anything. So I, I sort of got whatever jobs I could get and we ended up getting really small jobs. And, uh, and then we just kind of got good at doing small jobs and then, because we're based in Alberta, doing oil and gas sites was sort of a natural, a natural fit. Right on. What year did you roughly make that transition? That was, well, I think I'd always done kind of special missions, you know, like we'd always done projects that were like tricky access and um, yeah, just anything that was interesting or oddball, you know, we'd kind of do. So I think we'd always kind of, I'd always sort of lean towards oil and gas, uh, but yeah, um, yeah we'd always done a bit like we, we still do some forestry stuff, but uh, yeah, oil and gas, it just always worked out well for us. So that's what we do. And uh, the last time we met in person, you showed me some of the coding um, that you've been doing and, and some of the technology that you've been implementing into your organization. Uh, maybe if you could just chat a bit about how important technology has been along the way and, and some of the stuff that you're doing now with that to make sure that things run smoothly and efficiently and, and, uh, yeah, maybe just touch on technology implementation. Yeah, thanks. 
yeah, it was, that was like, um, I was really, I wasn't very good at math as a kid and I always liked to be outside. So it wasn't like, it didn't come easily, but then I kept running into, you know, when you run a business, you end up sitting at the computer a lot. And then, uh, eventually I just embraced it. And then I just realized there was such a need for it. And, and it's such a, it's a really applicable skill. And I think a lot of people in forestry could benefit a lot from it. And, um, yeah. So I think when I, when I realized that it was doable, then it, you know, then I really embraced it and enjoyed, enjoyed it. And, uh, and there's a lot of things that you don't know what you don't know, you know, and when you start to dig into it, you realize that there's a lot of ways it can help, uh, just help make things easier and sat phones and stuff or satellite technology and having cell phones on the block is kind of a new thing having smartphones and all the apps and everything's getting better every year. So there's a lot of ways you can apply it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. One thing that I liked when you showed me some of the stuff you were doing, it was you're implementing a lot of technology into like one system. Um, and, uh, I know ourselves, we use a lot of different systems, like multi multiple different programs and everything. And it, it gets tough to onboard everyone to, specific apps and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I really liked when you showed me that, what, uh, what you've been able to do and how you've been able to integrate all the technology into one working, uh, working system. Um, it seemed to work, it seemed to look quite cool. And, and, uh, I'm sure you have a lot of efficiencies with that. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it wasn't really a conscious choice. It just, you know, every use case you're like, do we really want to take another app or like you said, you know, onboarding people, like how many apps do they want on their phone, you know, and, uh, and then you have to sync them all together. So we just found it easier to kind of make our own system and it's, it's janky and, you know, it's got its quirks, but it's, it's our own, you know, and it's suited to what we do. So um, yeah, I, I would advise anyone to just experiment and try, try a form or collecting data in some way or, try linking two things together instead of doing it in a really manual way. Just try to, or see if you can get someone to help you figure out how to connect two things together automatically. And yeah. Super, yeah. super cool. How you can, uh, basically now that you know how to, how to code and program, you can solve problems that come up. Like you'd say, Oh, I have this problem now and then I can work on fix it because I know the language, how to do that. That's, yeah. That's really cool yeah thanks yeah yeah i think there's just sort of i have some exposure to it and like to for sure like I, i'm not like a coder like I, I don't really code i just sort of use it to solve a problem like you mm -hmm. would if you're welding or something or you know what i mean if you don't weld a ton like i didn't weld a lot but i was like this is really useful you know what i mean and then next thing you know you're you're kind of a welder even though you're you know there's people that are infinitely better right but if you can apply it to the real world then yeah, to solve a I problem guess you're we have. A welder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quick patch weld. Yeah. Yeah, you can get by. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, so, you so guys you... are. Are you guys? Hey, Mark, you've done a lot of the. It seems like you're you're the tech guy. Yeah, uh, I haven't gotten a program. I'm trying to learn uh, Python because that really that flows in the ArcGIS environment a lot. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So I don't know much. Like I'm just trying to learn the basic stuff to to help solve some problems, um, but. Yeah, I'm excited to learn more. And now that I'm delving, I got my foot a bit in the in the water. I just want to dive deep and uh, see what what I can do with it and learn it. That's great. Yeah, I find Python's really useful for like um, just sort of functional things. You know, it doesn't need to be client 
facing it you know it doesn't mm-hmm. need to face the public it's just for for making things work mm-hmm. I, I find it's a lot easier than javascript for just doing really functional stuff mm-hmm. yeah and improving workflows too like streamline stuff and and uh yeah just creating your own tools in ArcMap as well that it's pertain pertaining to your company or your problems uh yeah so there's a coding side there's you can open up our, our arc map and make your own workflows and all that i guess yeah yeah there is way i haven't like i said i'm I'm new to it but I, there's definitely uh it's the there's python and arcade arcade is actually esri's own language that they developed for arc map oh. so there's there's that too to learn as well and there's uh, i'm sure there's lots of cool stuff you can do that with with that too yeah i bet oh that's cool what are you making now now I'm just learning how to edit videos. So that's, that's, that's going to be, uh, um, I haven't kind of got away from the Python and coding stuff. So I'm trying to learn how to do some editing and, and just, I don't know, dab, dabbling in a whole bunch of different things. Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> learn all the keyboard shortcuts. That's what yeah. I like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Play it like a piano. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, like once you learn that, you can speed up like crazy. Yeah, I bet. DaVinci or what are, you, what are you using to edit? DaVinci, yeah, it's it's free, so playing around with that. Nice, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I haven't used it, but I've heard that's. Uh, it's amazing. That's... I can't believe it's free. Like for what, yeah, okay, what yeah. you can do with it, it's mind blowing how it's free. Because any co- competitor wow. is is pretty. You're paying a price for it. And I heard yeah. a lot of YouTubers use it. Like it's good for YouTubers to start off. So what I'm working on, uh, um, yeah, just like I said, editing these podcasts and. Uh, I really like the new Esri tools you can have. So there's dashboards. Yeah. Um, so creating uh, uh, that, like dashboards that the client can open right away and, and view their projects uh, and be able to look at charts and what was done per day and, and, and be able to click on that day of, of work and be able to zoom to that layer, for example. Um, oh, yeah. Lots of cool stuff like that. And maybe even like incorporating all their projects into one map. Um, yeah, different things like that. Just kind of making it simpler and uh, visually pleasing to the client to make yeah. it. Yeah. 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 The views are so powerful. Eh? When you get the right, you get all the right stuff and none of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Eh? And, and you, you can really get the handle on the project. Eh? I remember when uh, the pandemic for was first starting, I found a coronavirus um, dashboard one and there was, you could see it spreading slowly. I'm like, oh, okay the line's pretty flat i think we're okay and then you look at it a month later and you can just see it spiking like crazy and this dashboard was crazy to be able to watch that while this pandemic was growing <laughs> wow it was a map view yeah it was a dashboard view that showed all these different stats like showing all the stats on the uh, side and the map showing where it's spreading and everything wow yeah, yeah we've been able to we've been able to implement some stuff chris into our like view links with collector and, and stuff where we can like see the production of of each person and they can be compared to to the other guys and you, you can get all sorts of graph and charts right on the side of like the view link and, and see oh yeah so you can see uh all the work that's been captured in the field zoom in and see everything and then have all the statistics on the side yeah um, so that's the, kind of some of the stuff mark's been working on that's cool. Is Collector is it is it only with Arc or is it it's a it's its own thing? You can it's use an Esri it product and it's linked to oh, yeah, okay. the ArcGIS online environment. So it's yeah. anything you capture in the field and you sync, it'll be onto your online environment, and then you can manipulate that however you want through other ways. That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Yeah, yeah, I should check it out. 
give me a call anytime and I'll help you out with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I okay. Another thing to learn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lots of time for that. Yeah. What are you, what are you working on, Brendan? Uh, right now we've been, we're working on sales and, uh, bidding. We're bidding a lot. Oh um, yeah. That's a big job. Yeah. I think I mentioned it to you last time we spoke, but we, we hired a full-time manager in Kamloops, BC. Oh yeah. Um, so he just started this week. So we're, uh, we've been onboarding him, getting him familiarized with sort of our, um, yeah, sort of our, um, employees that work within our organization and stuff. So what he has access to for resources and everything. And then also potential client bases in his area and starting to kind of build up where we want to work and who we want to work for. And, and, uh, so yeah, we've been working on that quite a bit this week and cool. then other, otherwise just regular logistical stuff. Um, we're Hi. starting to get, yeah, we're starting to get busy with our, with our layout and stuff like that. It's that time of year. So, um, just kind of coordinating and getting rolling. Um, yeah. I know uh, the next question that I had on the list here was um, about collaboration. One of our core values as a company is collaboration. And uh, I know that me and you have cl collaborated on projects in past various projects over multiple years. And uh, yeah, just wanted to know how important collaboration is to you and, and what your experience has been with it and how, how, how to do collaboration successfully and, and some of the challenges with it in, in industry and in the tree planting industry, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could say, like, I would say my, a lot of my best business experiences are collaborating, um, with someone else, especially someone that does like a similar service, not the same service, but like, you know what I mean? Like a, a complimentary service, you know, and, and those are really good experiences. And I think it's, um, like with all with talented people, it's always a little scary or like, you know, I, it, it is, it, it takes a bit of risk and a bit of, uh, ambition, you know, to work with, with people that have a lot of resources and, you know, you don't want to waste your time and stuff like that, but then you, uh, it's always, yeah, it's amazing what you can learn from, from, uh, yeah, people that just have a lot of resources and have been successful at things. So yeah, when you find the right partners like yourself, it's, you know, it, it's just easy. It's just a natural thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I do agree. Like the, finding a mutual fit and having mutual understanding is super important. And communication is always key too. So being able to pick up the phone and chat about different things and make sure that you can make it work for both parties kind of thing, which I know lots of people in industry struggle to do that. So um, being able to, to have that clear communication and, and um, upfront and kind of set, set where the expectations are from both ends and then move forward is, is how we've successfully been able to do it in the past. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Yeah. I think, uh, I think people struggle. They're just, they're used to keeping their cards close to their chest or whatever. And, uh, which is fine, you know, but like it, it's, that's what I, you know, it does, it takes that initial kind of risk or it's a little scary at first, but once you start doing it, the, the payoff is, is pretty clear, right? Especially when it's a two way thing yeah. and then it, yeah. And then it just feels right, you know, and then it's, then it's good. It's a positive thing. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Uh, the next question that I have here is what are some of the biggest opportunities in the tree planting industry that you see in the next 10 years? And what do you anticipate some of the challenges to be? Um, I mean, I guess I always want there to be more, you know, like I feel like reforestation and, you know, the whole climate situation. I just think as tree planters, it's our job to do as much as we can, you know, and uh, 
yeah, I, I hope we can provide more value than we have in the past. You know, as much as we've done, it's like, you know, you want to do more. And then, uh, but yeah, the opportunities are, yeah, there's going to be lots of opportunities. I mean, it's, it's becoming popular. It's becoming, you can see it in the public. People are talking about it now, you know, in a way that I haven't seen, you know, yeah. it's not just anecdotal. Not like now it's like, it's really making it in like, the news and stuff and uh yeah i don't know i'm that, i'm not sure how it'll play out but it's cool to see hopefully that brings in more uh funding too for reclamation to give more opportunities to tree plant as well with the with the more with the bigger public eye and especially mm-hmm. to push for for environmental change yeah have you guys seen a change like are you are you get are you getting different types of opportunities and stuff or like is it uh, we've seen some like private land stuff and like things around watersheds on private land and, mm-hmm. and different types of stuff like that, which is not very traditional for that to happen. Um, yeah. some like government backing and things like that. Um, the current, um, liberal government has, I think they want to plant 2 billion trees and, and, uh, primarily on private land. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is a huge transition. Um, not sure how that's going to play out, but, uh, yeah, government backing and funding is definitely huge. And um, like, I never seen much for tree planting on private land ever, unless it was like a farmer wanting to go out and actually do it for some reason. But now with carbon credits and uh, different types of factors coming into play, um, we're starting to see it definitely more and more in, in central northern Alberta on private yeah. land. So yeah, I've, I've been impressed with the landowners, like how, how many of them want to plant now, you know, and, and just like how how open-minded people are to, to putting trees on their land. Like, you know, I mean, it's such a valuable thing for a family and stuff to have land. And it's just, it's so cool that they would want to put trees on their land. It's Especially when it's not well-defined, like climate, you know, carbon credit and stuff is not a done deal. Like it, there's no real clear path to that, but they they just want to go ahead and try anyway. And yeah it's really it's great to see that yeah and i think uh i think there's examples in in alberta where they've cleared for years and years and years land and uh in some cases cleared like significant areas of land and Uh i've i've noticed uh like growing up in the areas um, lack of wildlife in, in a lot of different locations where there's just miles and miles of straight fields like uh animals like to hide in in different types of uh brush and and fence lines and things like that and consistently they've been getting taken out more and more so yeah um, yeah i think i think uh i think there's definitely starting to be a lot more programs to coming out to help offset that because i mean it's a cost to the farmers if they're going to leave those fence lines and, and brushing and stuff so i think yeah. that some of that additional funding will help with that yeah i hope there's more research on like some of these these uh windrows and stuff that they're they're planting a lot more between fields and everything like uh, kind of agroforestry or the canadian version of it like you hear about it in other countries and they do it here i, I wish they'd call it that you know and and that there'd be i'd like to see more research about it it would be interesting to see what the benefits are right to... yeah is it in yeah, the sure. area you're from you said it's been cleared a lot like yeah that, i mean like, uh exactly where i'm at it there's there's been a lot of clearing but a bit further south than us there's been a lot more and um i like i'm an avid hunter i do for a bit of hunting and stuff in the fall and um so we we get really familiarized with wildlife uh, um, travel patterns and things like that and depends on the species but i mean um animals typically most of them big game want to hide 
in some sort of brush and shrubs and stuff and have pathways where they can get from one area to another without being in the wide open where they might get, you know, hunted or shot at. Um, so yeah, I like, you definitely know the areas that, that have been like super cleared out and, and a lot of times you might struggle a bit more to, to see wildlife in those locations from my experience. Wow. Huh. Well, but I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand why the farmers do it. Right. It's uh, I mean, every acre is an, is an acre and, and the produces income for them as, as a field and um, timber takes whatever hundred years or more um, typically to become worth decent value in our lands. So they're not going to yeah. see the return on, on timber, which, uh, so yeah, I think if some of these, more of these programs can come into place, I think that there's a opportunity for planting to help, um, kind of build more of a, of a landscape that's not as like hundred percent cleared type thing. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So. I think the attitude is changing towards it. Like, I, I understand like in the, in the fields where the, the combines and stuff turn around, like they don't go straight to the corners. Eh? And a lot of times, I mean, that would be a huge amount of area if you took every, every quarter section or every mm -hmm. section of field. And you know what I mean? At, at where those, those corners are, you have, you have the rows between the, the roads and stuff like that and right of ways. And I, I think if you really look at it, there's quite a lot of land that could be reforested yeah. without disturbing their, their cash crop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff that we've been doing for planting with like Alice Canada, for example, they'll come in and uh, set stuff up with farmers to like plant more of the lower land areas near watersheds and stuff like that. And I think that's really beneficial work. It uh, helps protect like things like uh, farmer spray going into the creeks and, uh, and it, it kind of builds a vegetative buffer around the creeks to help reduce sedimentation and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I think that there's, a step in the right direction happening for sure and it's just a matter of uh um getting some more backing and making it worthwhile for farmers i think mm -hmm. yeah yeah i feel like that's a good deal both ways like for the public and for everybody the investment it, it doesn't cost much to reforest that land and if the farmers i figure anyone if they're willing to put trees on their land it should be should be a public good or just provided someone should fund that now that you say that like yeah. i'm just thinking like i'm just thinking back when i was traveling europe like all and looking at I mean, imagery pretty much all of their farms or a lot of their farms are all surrounded by forest like they have though like you said those corners are forested mm -hmm. and they're, they're, the, the crop is right to the forest edge in a lot of areas um and they have lots of hunting there too and it's good for the wildlife um but yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up. Like, I think that's a great idea. There's so much to plant, so many areas to reforest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, once you start thinking about it, you know, it's hard to put it down. Yeah. I, I remember that. I was in Germany a few years ago and like taking the train around and I, I couldn't believe how many trees there mm -hmm. were. Yeah. You, you know, you think Germany is such a populated country. I would have thought, I just had no idea they had yeah. so much kind of wild area. Like, and you look at the imagery too, and you're like, oh wow, there's there's not like a like in Europe in general, there's not a lot of big forested areas. But you look at like you said, like it's as you're on the ground level, there's trees everywhere. It's just not as dense, as, I guess, as you would find enough in a typical big forest. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good to see. It'll be interesting to see what the Liberal government what their what their plan is. Like they were pretty tight lipped on it at the beginning, and then now they're. And they follow that kind through. Kind of an interesting <laughs> bidding thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure which. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what comes of that.
I think this is a hybrid. You know, they're kind of doing it in different countries. Eh? There's kind of versions of this. It, it's starting to. Yeah, I pick up know. a bit. Yeah. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges in the next ten years, Chris, in the industry? I, I think I think the challenge for me, like the, it's always been that tree planting's a little bit frivolous. You know what I mean? Like we're we're like the the little weird cousin of forestry or something. You know, like like I like people want to like trees. You know, they they want tree planting to do well, but it's it's different than it actually being taken seriously. You know what I mean? As a serious job, and and. I don't know if it's us or if it's whatever it is. I, I think people just, it, there's no tree planting school or like, you know what I mean? Like it's always just an offshoot of it's, it's something else. You know what I mean? And I, I think it could, it needs to stand on its own. And uh, I, I don't know what'll change that or whatever, but I think that's a big challenge is getting it to be seen as it's not like some sort of charity or something. It's like becoming really important. Like, um, yeah. Yeah that's the problem that's what i find hard yeah how about yourself sure. what do you think like what's the challenge uh, like? in regards to business in, well i think uh i think if there's yeah if, if if there's lack of government uh or public uh approvals for different types of things and that'll be a challenge but i like we said i think it's i think that's more of an opportunity the way that things have been going I think that uh, in, yeah. regards to in regards to the business side, I think uh, technology, um, I mean, what's just, what's happening, to, it's happening to us in our like block layout and stuff. Um, our workload's been reduced a lot due to equipment having proper GPSs in it and stuff like that, where we don't have to, um, where we don't have to uh, actually walk the entire block and, and actually fly yeah. ribbon anymore in a lot of cases. So. I would say in 10 years, I mean, it depends how fast technology moves forward, but maybe there's some sort of uh, robotic machine or, or uh, I, I know in, in Europe, they have, um, they have types of machines, like, like actual modified they have, logging, basically. Yeah. They okay. Slam, yeah. Where they slam yeah. trees in. Yeah. yeah. That one where they do the stakes. Have you seen that? The staking machine where they put the. Right. They put full stakes in and then it chops the stakes as it and drives them in the ground. Those things are unbelievably fast. That's wicked. Yeah. Yeah. Can you do that? Yeah, in so I think a... No, no, no. It's yeah. more like it's a combine. Like yeah. It's a, it's a it has... combine made for stakes. Yeah. You need a field. Yeah. Yeah. So I think things like that and uh, drones and stuff, so I'm, I'm talking more like uh, the, some of the challenges as a business owner is kind of what I'm leaning on. I think, would oh, be, yeah. I think would be uh, technology integration, changing the scope of our work and then be having to adjust and adapt to that. Um, I mean, uh, things like drones and stuff like spreading speed or doing different types of things. Um, I'm not really sure. Like it would take something that would be, would have to take something that would work really well to be able to like not need tree planters, but um i mean technology keeps improving so quickly it's hard to say what's going to happen in the next 10 years yeah i i think it'll have to do more with information and 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 logistics and stuff like that like um i know there's high hopes for mechanized tree planting but like the actual input like the cost of actually tree planters 
it's just yeah. not that big. So even if you did get rid of it entirely, a lot of the cost is the land and the other factors, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I think the, the major improvements will be information and, and, uh, and just like public understanding, like, you know, if the market is, does not good information, then it's not an efficient market, you know? And that's yeah. why I think if tree planning was taken more seriously, there's more scrutiny on what, what's happening. And, um, yeah, I, I think it just, when people understand it better and the information's moving better, then I think it'll be a more efficient market. And then there'll be a lot of inno innovation there that would drive down the cost. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's maybe, <laughs> yeah. Makes sense to me. That's, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the input is like, it's not that great. Like if you look at what it costs to plant a field of corn versus, I don't know, pineapples or trees, you know, it's not really the cost of actually putting them in the ground. That's, it's you the know what I mean? logistics. It's, it's not a huge and, yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of different factors. And, and and what it's worth, like what are the trees worth? That would be the big yeah. hope is that they're actually mm -hmm. valued higher. And be able to maintain that too, like not necessarily clear cut it, but like if it's you're filling in areas to have it sustain itself and be a successful like regenerating forest over and over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of the work you're doing is the mapping and stuff. I mean, we haven't even seen what, what, what they'll come to analytics and stuff from the mm -hmm. vegetation. You know, I mean, it's pretty new that they're able to really, really look at high quality uh, satellite images. So, yeah, I, I wonder what, the, what they'll be able to prescribe, yeah. like what a prescription will be like in 10 years from now. Yeah, that's really Hopefully cool. Hopefully it could be a lot that. better. Could be more accurate or who knows. Mm-hmm. We've been utilizing drones uh, a bit and we're able to get some kind of like neat hydrology models and uh, like we're able to calculate volumes of log decks and gravel piles and things like that. And I think, I uh, think in the future, like on the layout side and on uh, potentially on, like you say, the prescription side, being able to use like LIDAR based cameras to figure out the, on a small, on a more zoomed in scale to figure out exactly like, the best kind of species to put long-term that aren't going to die due to drought and, and or flooding or whatever and being able to pick up additional information and then there might be more analytical side beforehand like you say pre-planning pre yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah have you guys had a lot of use for lidar like have you is it part of your program like are you looking at images uh for our layout we use we use lidar like every day basically oh really oh cool yeah these are like the mill had purchased the mm -hmm. yeah images yeah. or whatever yeah okay yeah yeah and that's i mean in alberta like most f or pretty much all fma holders have lidar for their whole fma um in bc in bc doing forestry work there i noticed that a lot of companies don't have lidar I'm not really sure as to why that is. I think it's a cost thing. Yeah. But uh, the way that whoever's selling it or whatever, I'm not really sure. But but yeah, it's it has huge benefits for us. Like our ground crews when we're doing block layout, use it continuously. Um, that's how we figure out like where the creeks are going to be and and uh, or potentially be. So a lot of times when we're doing ribbonless layout and stuff, now you're just headed to predicted stream um layers based off of bare earth and stuff like that and then you can oh have that's height, handy yeah height models of the trees too so you can figure out kind of where your merchantability line is going to be or not be yeah um 
and and they're doing some interesting stuff now where they can utilize lidar calibrated lidar based off of some tree measurement programs like temp doing temporary sound plots and then they can figure out the they can in different types of stand types so then can tie avi to lidar height and be able to get specific uh like pretty accurate volume estimates of a block before they even do anything that's awesome do you think they're going to start doing avi with lidar like a like avi plots are still like a Apparently, pretty manual thing yeah. i think it's pretty accurate right now the main thing they, they can tell coniferous a species very well but as soon as it comes okay, to deciduous yeah. and the shrubby material it's it's really hard to, to distinguish yeah, the species okay. but it's, it's coming along yeah, I, uh, I know some of the lidar stuff that we were doing up in the north part of the province um like plots to tie to lidar some of their biggest issues and areas that we were going to look at was birch versus aspen from the ortho imageries and the, and the, the satellite imageries um a lot of the a lot of the aspen was being classified as birch or birch being classified as aspen <laughs> okay yeah yeah um so yeah there's certain scenarios but but yeah i think uh like i i have friends that in the industry people that know in the industry that are looking at implementing like lidar backpack cameras and stuff like that for measuring the diameters and heights of the trees where they would just walk into a plot and it would just auto like auto yeah yeah not just uh not just a chest height but at like the whole tree from top to bottom so you can calculate everything even the like merchantability of the tree potentially if it's got like twists and things in it but then Whoa. you yeah that becomes a data overload right um oh yeah it so, would just be so much yeah 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 so i think i think some of the technology is out there but being able to to utilize the data afterwards in a proper manner, I think is a huge concern. And then being able to, uh, to get it allowed in legislation is always the next concern. Like you can do a lot of different stuff with drones right now and capture a lot of different information, but um, a lot of times you're not legally able to do that for the legal requirements in the forest industry just due to some of the legislation around how they have to do their different surveys and stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's going to be more access to like current and, and better quality uh, satellite images. Cause it seems like right now it's just the big players. Like it, you know what I mean? It's not, you can't just buy like a small piece of it or whatever, but, uh, and then they have a lot of new smaller satellites like putting up more satellites all the time. So I wonder if that would make a big difference. Like, I mean, I can imagine, I always wonder the boy, I wish I could see an image of it, you know, three yeah. months ago or whatever right and i wonder if that'll become a thing where they can it'll just become more readily available yeah. you know used to have it on a day-by-day basis <laughs> I think yeah is. sometimes yeah <laughs> there is services out there that i think they just have to pay a lot of money for it um i, I do know that they have that because we've been approached before for company from companies yeah uh, asking us if we wanted daily imagery daily really yeah i think it was up to, you can get daily yeah i've looked into it but it's always like you know some massive amount of land you know it's not like right. you buy like this block or whatever yeah. like yeah you need like to buy like a huge area yeah. that's probably what it was i never really looked into it more than that they pitched it no uh, yeah yeah you could tell pretty quick this is not gonna yeah. fit the budget yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool yeah, I think technology has come a long ways, but I think some some areas of it, it stagnates for a while until someone decides to do something more with it. So I think uh, people can kind of keep 
pushing some of this and, and trying to make it more readily available to the public too. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of value in, in current information for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of excitement. I mean, it, it's always going to be like a, a trial and error, you know, a lot of it you try or you get excited about something and it doesn't really work. And then, you know, yeah. maybe it might be years, maybe, yeah, it's just too soon or there's not enough funding. Things are harder than they seem to. A lot of times they do stuff that doesn't, it just wasn't realistic, you know, like, but it's good to try and it's kind of just a hobby, you know, like just to try to figure something out that, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like fun to do, you know? Yeah. I think one of the biggest opportunities is just to kind of stay on top of the technology. Um, I think that if you can kind of be somewhat on the, on the, on the higher up on the learning end and then being mm -hmm. able to implement some of that in your organization, I think that that's going to be really important in the next 10 years when talking yeah. about opportunities because uh, it just seems to change so quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's why like learning, you know, Python or something like that would be great. Like coding and stuff is just, it's not going to, I don't think it doesn't seem like it's going to go away because it's like mm -hmm. all those apps, like every application they think of or every use, it's going to have some kind of API and you're going to have to stitch it together with some, you know, it's all got to move or be useful in your organization. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, these are cool things to learn. You know, I mean, that, that I, I feel like I'm not wasting my time learning yeah. a coding project, even though, it, you know what I mean? Even if nothing comes of it, it's like, it's kind of just practice for what's coming. Eh? Think about uh, languages and also well, Python in specific, it's very scientifically backed and, and used in the scientific field. Like scientists, you will use that to, to uh, manipulate data and like you can do lots with it. Like it's very uh, friendly for using data. I guess, and manipulating data. Whereas you got like other code uh, languages like HTML, where it's mainly just for websites, for example. Whereas Python, you can yeah. you can really manipulate data. Yeah, 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 yeah. I find it. Yeah, it's really good. It's hard, like you say, like you start learning one thing and then you get distracted. I think that that is a challenge as a business owner, and, and mm -hmm. like you say, trying to be ahead of it. Like you want to learn different things, and I guess like for Brandon and I, it's like we're sort of scanning the road a little bit you know what i mean yeah. like you it's hard to get your head down i when the when the pandemic first came in i just locked myself up i just was just completely in a chamber and just coded yeah and or tried to and it, and it was that was like the best i was better at it then than i than i've been since because yeah. yeah it's easy you got to really be in the headspace for it and that's why i think young workers and tree planters and stuff like boy I, you guys should just put your heads down and if you apply yourselves like you do to tree planting it's it's amazing oh, yeah. surveyors like i think that like the jobs we do in forestry and stuff they're kind of meticulous it's not that different than coding like you have to care about a tiny tiny thing like the way your flag tape holds or whatever you know like Attention to detail. and you care enough and yeah these yeah. are tiny details and and that's if you care about these tiny tiny little incremental changes that's kind of not that different than trying to make two columns line up in the perfect you know like yeah way. no for sure it's a yeah. it's, it's a very uh like meticulous and also very um like it's you want to be accurate as well and it, it, like any kind of survey work is like that um, it's no different than than working on a, a program or or doing any other job like it's just in a different environment yeah yeah it's a pretty different environment for sure there's not bees <laughs> yeah no bears the, at the, at the desk. <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, I don't need duct tape to keep my body and clothes together. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, uh, just to end off, I'll just ask one more question. What's been uh, some of the, yeah, what, what's been some of the hardest things that you've had to like get through as a business owner? And then what have been some of the most enjoyable things about, about being able to run a company uh, and a successful organization? Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, lots of stuff's hard. It, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to find your place. I think defining the relationships you have with, with people and, and, and trying to, trying to integrate other, other things besides tree planting, you know, you're, you're, if you're good at what you, if you love tree planting and then you wake up and realize that you've, you can't make money tree planting because you're stuck on the computer and fixing trucks and you're terrible at everything else, you know, that that's a really humbling thing. Eh? So like to try to get out of that head space of just tree planting and focusing on everything else, that, that was a huge shift. And um, yeah. yeah. And then that's huge. It's that's rewarding too. Like, you know, realizing yeah. that you, you can apply the same skills to other things. That, that was, that's really, really awesome feeling. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would say some of my most uh, rewarding days are, um, being able to have like an employee come to you or something that, that, uh, you've been kind of mentoring them into doing something. And then, and then all of a sudden they're, they're starting to see success in that. Right. Um, so you can kind of share your knowledge with them and then, and then see, them starting to succeed in a specific space. I think that those are some of the most, like some of the best days for sure. Being able to like starting yeah. to starting to see success and and uh, things kind of coming together. And but definitely the challenges that I've that I've seen is just the day to day grind. I think um, when you're running a business, it's it's chaos. I mean, there's oh, yeah. there's a lot of things happening all the time, and and yeah. basically basically you're you're the guy that all the problems funnel to right um in yeah. one way or another but if 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 things are going good you usually don't hear about it and if things are going bad you hear about everything <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah 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 I, I would say the biggest challenges are always always uh yeah just dealing with the, the problems and the grind and, and staying persistent in what you're doing right yeah 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 no definitely it's just stay on top of the fire and uh yeah uh, <laughs> yeah but it's fun it, it, yeah it's really rewarding i mean the harder it is the you know the better the feeling when you get get over it yeah for sure right awesome on. well we appreciate your time tonight or this afternoon chris yeah yeah appreciate you hopping on industry talks at fortech uh Thank you for sharing your knowledge and uh, expertise in the planting industry. Yeah. Um, it's great, great to learn from from those that have done. So uh, appreciate your time. I'm sure that our, our viewers will get a lot out of this. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, stay in touch. And, and uh, yeah, have, have yourself a great rest of your day. Great. Yeah, yeah. Good talking to you guys too. Yeah. Take care. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, yeah. everyone.